You're listening to We're Only Human, hosted by Ben Eubanks on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. We're Only Human focuses and highlights how modern technology and new ways of working are creating a more people-centric workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.h3hr.com. Greetings, everyone. This is Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human, and I'm so glad to be back with you. I'm just back from my last travel for a little while, finished up the spring conference season that was bleeding over into summer, and I'm so eager to dive into some of the interesting work projects I'm working on with a variety of clients. You know, I just celebrated two big milestones I've got to give a quick quick comment to. On June 2nd, my wife Melanie and I had our 10th anniversary, and she would not listen to this podcast because she fears becoming an intractable HR person, um, but she's really something special. I've heard from other successful people that have had a spouse behind them, and they said you know, that was the main reason they, they were successful long-term, and I really have to say the same. I couldn't do it without her. On another front, this month is the one-year mark for my adventure at Lighthouse Research. I'm having a blast, and people ask me, and that's the, that's the first thing I say. Um, I'm, I'm just having fun. I'm working with a variety of providers. I'm so thankful for the opportunities to really contribute to the community in a meaningful way. Um, I actually had a conversation with someone recently and said, you know, how did you become an analyst? And I can't remember that I've shared the story. So, you know, for years I worked as an HR director, um, as an HR executive leading the leading the organization, and that was a, a blast. Uh, again, I enjoyed that. Um, I don't do anything that I don't enjoy, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, one day this, this opportunity kind of presented itself to join the analyst community. And I said, you know what? Today I have the opportunity to make life better for this, you know, 100 or so employees that are under my purview. What if I had the opportunity to do, a, do that on a bigger scale, to reach more people? And ultimately that's what encouraged me to at least try and see if the analyst thing was, was going to be more something that I really enjoyed and ultimately it was and again now I'm on my own over at Lighthouse an independent research analyst firm and again I'm just I'm enjoying it thoroughly because I'm having the opportunity to reach more people to share to share interesting research and to help the practitioners at the end of the day with some of the things that we're doing so thank you for listening thank you for joining I really appreciate each and every one of you that listen to this to the show and um, I hope that it provides value for you every day because that is my goal so Let's get on with the show. Today I'm talking with a friend and a colleague, Christina Minyard. You may remember her from a previous show. We're talking about HR certification. You know, this is something that's on the minds of a lot of HR pros, as you'll soon hear. And I thought this would be a great way to not only touch on some of the work that I've put together over at upstarthr.com, uh, where I've put together a bunch of resources, tools, some of them free, some of them not, to help with certification but also just to answer some of the common questions I get on a daily basis that I can't always respond to personally because there's a lot of volume there and I feel bad that I can't respond to every person, but there's just so many people that have, have questions about this that need some help. They're looking for guidance. And so we're going to share some of those things today. We're going to try to answer as many questions as we can in our time together. So with that, let's jump into the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human. Really excited to have you here today. And today we're going to focus on a topic that's highly relevant to the HR practitioner audience. Not that the other shows aren't, really, but this one's going to be a little more on a personal level. We're going to talk about certification. It's a question I get a lot, and I'm really excited. My guest today is Christina Minyard. She's the director of Ignite Education here in Huntsville, Alabama. Welcome, Christina. 
Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for those of you, if the name sounds familiar, you might remember that Christina was here with us on an earlier episode uh, talking about recruiting as a service. If you enjoy hearing from her today, you might want to check that out. I'll make sure the link is in the show notes. If you don't enjoy hearing from her today, uh, check it out anyway because we can all use a little help with our recruiting. <laughs> she makes some really great points, and she's, she's my go-to person when I'm looking for some insight there. So uh, you'll, you'll get some good stuff from her, I have no doubt. Christina, before we jump in, give us a quick update. What's up in your world? Anything interesting on your radar? I know you're about to be traveling to uh, a big conference soon. Anything else going on? So work is really busy and exciting, as always. Um, as the, the title implies, I am responsible for the hiring, talent management, and customer relations for our Ignite Education line of business that provides IT implementation and support for K-12 through uh, school systems. And it's always fascinating to me that the school systems are so busy during the summer. So I've got my hands full with that. And I am really excited about Sherm 17. I'm leaving on the 17th. Conference starts on the 18th. Excited to be going back to New Orleans again. I'm excited to see my HR friends and learn and get some recertification credits and meet some new people. Excellent. Well, you'll have to make sure and say hello to all of our mutual friends because I will not be there for the first time in many years. Just had a busy spring conference travel season and we were just joking about you know, I, I have not been able to attend any local events in the last couple of months because I've, it seems like every single time there's something going on, I'm, I'm out of town. So I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks back at home, resting, spending time with family, actually catching up on some work that needs done. So awesome. Well, I know the family is going to be excited to have you, but you're going to be missed at the conference. I, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so as I mentioned, today we're going to talk about one of the things I've been writing about this for more than eight years, uh, which is certification. So you and I both do a lot of speaking. We volunteer with our local HR chapter as board members. We're both focused on our own career development. And so there's a lot of touch points for us on the certification discussion. We're, we're pretty involved in it, uh, more than the, just a passual, uh, or passive casual observer. So let's jump in. We'll see how far we can get because Again, I get questions like this. I was telling you a little bit ago. I get, you know, I think I had about 10 questions on certification last week from different people that have run across the website and they're they're curious about something. They want to know, you know, what to study, how to study, who to go for, who to go with in terms of a provider and so on. So, lots of conversations. Whatever we can get to, we'll get to. And if there's more things, more questions after this, um, people can always email me and uh, shoot me a note to the website. Um, We'll make sure we get, we get them covered somehow. So I'm going to throw the first one over to you. Um, why is it important as an HR pro to get certified? So I think that it's important because HR is made up of a lot of moving pieces. Um, I think that getting certified is not only a way to hold yourself accountable as a professional to continue to learn new things in your field, but it shows a commitment to the profession and the idea of lifelong learning. Um, I think that's that's super important. You have HR departments of one all the way to, you know, huge departments that have HR pros that are specializing in something. And them having the certification just says, hey, I have to get these research credits, so I have to continue to learn to get those. So I'm going to stay current in our field so I can provide the best HR service to our business. Good answer. So it's funny. That reminds me. This week I was – 
at an event, and I was listening to a, a founder of an HR technology company talking, and she said, you know, years ago, um, she admitted that she was that she had gone to college many years ago, um, and she said, I went to school for programming. You know, so I learned programming in school, and now that's basically completely obsolete and irrelevant. It, you know, none of the stuff that I would have learned there is going to help me today because it's so outdated. And that's always the question I get. You know, sometimes people ask, you know, should I get my MBA? Should I go for my certification? And you touched on it right there in your conversation, I think, about that the difference between those two is you can get a degree, you know, get your diploma and walk out and you know, hold that high, put on your resume, keep that forever. But there should be, or it seems like there's a shelf life on a lot of those things that you might have learned because if you don't practice them, continually refresh on them. The research tells us that about half of what you learn, you lose within a week if you're not practicing it and continually refreshing yourself. And so the things that you pick up in that degree um, might not stick around, whereas the value, it seems, of certification is that you have to have that commitment. You have to be always you know, learning or at least participating in something. You know, hey, I signed up for a webinar, I got my credits and moved on. But the ones that are serious about continuing to grow are going to really make sure they get the most out of that, right? Absolutely. Okay. So would you say that certification is necessary then for success in your career if you're going to grow and and be a great HR pro? Because I've met people on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, some, you know, it's really easy to, to pick up a Sherm's magazine or um, to hear, you know, get an email from HRCI and you hear about this, this high-level HR pro that's, being, that's been successful and here's their certification. But at the same time, you and I know plenty of people that don't have any certifications that are successful. So I'm curious, what do you think is the difference there? Is it, it, does it help you to be more successful? Does it enable that success? Is it necessary? Well, so I think that it's obviously not necessary because we do know people who are successful and do not have certification. But I would say that those people that we know are ones that are still committed to learning. They just don't have that certification, recertification credit window to kind of hold them accountable for going to get that new information. They go get new information because they want it. And that doesn't mean just because we have a certification that we don't want it. I think that, you know, I it could go either way. Like you said, people, if you're not engaged, you're just getting your research credits and moving on. Um, I prefer to see professionals with their certification uh, because I, I think it just says something. And I think that if you and I are up for the same job and one of us has a certification and one of us doesn't, I think that that could be how they decide, right? If you have a certification that makes you stand out, uh, from your competition, I think you're more likely to get that next job or, you know, progression in your career. So I don't want to say it's necessary, but I think it should be preferred. Sounds like you're writing a job description over there. Not required, <laughs> but, not required but, but preferred. We'd like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, excellent. So in your comments, that reminded me again, there was a I had a lot of conversations this week, so I might come back to a lot of them. I apologize. <laughs> these, were not, these were not even HR people I was talking to, but this is relevant. So I was talking to um, a CEO, and I asked her about the, the webinars that they do for HR practitioners, and she said they did not initially do, do them for credit. 
and someone said, hey, you need to be doing these for credits so that you know, people can get their, their research credits for taking these. So she went through the effort of getting research credits approved for these webinars they were doing, and they immediately started having all these low-quality people sign up for the events. They, would, they can see. If you, if, here's a tip. If you're doing a webinar and you're, and you're watching it, the people that are hosting the webinar can tell if you're watching it or not. The system will tell them if you're looking at the screen or not. It can tell disengagement. And so they, she said there were all these people that were signed up. They'd get more signups, but fewer people were engaged in the content because they were just there to scoop their credits up and move on with their life. They weren't there to learn and, and pick those things up. So they stopped doing that because they had a higher quality, more participation audience when they quit doing that. So if you're, if you're uh, one of those people that's just trying to scoop up the easy credits, find another way to do it. There's lots of on-the-job work. There's lots of uh, leadership type things. Um, hey, I do research studies. If you take a research study and you have the HRCI certification, you can get a research credit for taking a study um, or answering a survey. Um, so there's lots of ways to get those credits without having to, to waste someone else's time, waste your time sitting through a webinar you're not really paying attention to or caring about anyway, right? Well, and I think we've seen that even in our local chapter, right? Uh, you and I have been volunteering with a local chapter on some level for many years now, probably as long as we've been adults. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I've been volunteering as long as I've been an adult, and you're going to volunteer until you reach an adult. Um, but there were times where we would have discussions, how do we get these recertification credit numbers out to everyone, you know, before we had a smarter system that can send it out to everyone who registered for an event after the event or whatever. Because um, we didn't want people to have access to that code and use it if they didn't actually attend the event and learn something, you know, in person. But at the end of the day, you have to just trust people to do the right thing. And if they're doing it for the wrong reasons, that's going to catch up to them in their own career path. Like we can't personally stress about what others are doing with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if you're phoning it in, it's going to show up sometime. Right? Yeah. When, you don't, when you don't have that critical thing, you're like, oh, if I just paid attention that one time, I would, I would have this or I would know this. Um, okay, we're getting a little existent. Exist, I can't say that word. We're getting too far <laughs> out there. Let's get back to uh, the real world. So Reeling it back in. Yeah. One of the, well, I've mentioned this a couple times in terms of the different providers. So a couple years ago, I don't know that it's a surprise to anybody now, but I still, you know, I don't get many questions about this anymore. But the most heavily trafficked post on my site is uh, SHRM versus HRCI. Where should I get my certification? And that's one of the conversations. You and I are both supporters of both of them. I, I think you hold both both certifications, right? I do. I'm, I'm unequally certified right now, though. Yeah. Okay. And I have <laughs> I have both as well. Um, I have my SHRM SCP, my SBHR, so I'm. I'm, I'm supporting both organizations, but uh, talk a little about what you see in terms of the differences between the two. I know you recently took your, your SHRM exam and passed it, so that's one reason that you were top of mind when I was thinking about who to bring on for this conversation. So talk about how you see the two differences, or two organizations. Are there any differences? What are they? And so on. So when I first took my PHR, it was way back in the day, and HRCI was all that existed. And honestly, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when this rolled out and SHRM broke up with them and, and rolled out their certification plan, I felt like it was really important for me to 
put it out there that I valued my PHR and that no matter what road Sherm took, I was always going to value it. And uh, that is actually probably the highest viewed blog post on my site as well. Mm. So I know people are interested in getting to the bottom of this and figuring out where they need to put their efforts and, and what's important and what our profession is looking for. Um, I think in the commitment to continue learning, both have value there. Um, I think that a lot of professionals that I respect and see as mentors um, or reliable sources in my network have uh, an HRCI certification, um, and a lot of them, like you now, have an HRCI and SHRM certification. But when it was time for me to decide which senior certification test I was going to sit for, I ended up going for the SHRM SDP. So now I have my PHR with HRCI and my SHRM SDP through SHRM. Um, I don't know if I'll ever go and get my SPHR, but I can say that I won't let my PHR lapse. So I'm still adding credits for both, <laughs> um, still supporting both. Um, one thing that I do like about the SHRM model is that they added the global competency. I really like the competency model, and I like that they included global uh, versus having a separate certification for that because I think too many HR professionals, at least in our uh, local area, feel like they don't need to know anything about global HR, that that's not something they deal with or they're going to deal with. It's hard to look at a globe and pinpoint Huntsville, Alabama, and think that we might have some impact globally. But the truth is, is that we all already are dealing with it. And it's a global economy, and we have global competition, so we do need to know something about our global competency. And so I really appreciate that they added that in there. And I think as a result of that being a part of their competency model, that uh, more HR pros, at least in our area, will by default learn more about what we need to look at globally, if that makes sense. That's really interesting. I heard, haven't heard that from anyone else in terms of something that they, they value about it. Um, usually they go to the relationship piece or you know, influence is a part of my job, so I have to, you know, it helps that Sherm competency is focused on that. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't heard that from anybody else with the global piece, but I definitely agree. Having it as a complete separate standalone for um, – at HRCI makes it challenging for those people that that have to make a choice between the two, or they have to choose both if they want to be seen as you know credible. Some people think that you know I, there's no neither one of them's better or worse, right? The GPR, mm -hmm. GPHR isn't necessarily better if you're getting that global professional NHR um, certification, but at the same time, people if they have to make a choice, they're probably going to pick the SPHR because it's it's seems like it's a more familiar track or it might be less less challenging to try to understand the global aspects to it. So that's a really interesting point. I'm glad you made that. Um, talk a little bit about the exam itself. I know you haven't taken the uh, the SPHR, but talk about the, the kind of questions and things you saw in the exam when you took the SHRM exam. I'm kind of curious because I haven't taken it myself. I did the SHRM's pathway a couple years ago um, when it came out, and so I, that's how I migrated my SPHR over and got my SHRM SCP. But uh, I'm curious what kind of stuff you saw on the exam and um, whether how well you thought that would prepare you. Not, the goal is not to prepare you, right? You should be prepared already. I guess how right. good it was at assessing your actual capabilities. 
Um, so I really thought the test was, was interesting in the respect that, okay, so I signed up for, you know, our local SHRM chapter study group because um, I think that there's a lot of value in that. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, and so even going through the practice questions and then on to the actual exam, there were a lot of questions that, that phrased something in a manner to make you believe that they're coming from a, an HR team of 20, you know. And I don't know about you, but I've never worked for an organization where we were big enough to have more than like seven HR professionals on a team. So I was like, what? How would you do that? Or, you know, who is responsible for making that decision? How does that flow in an org chart um, when you have a CHRO and a couple of VPs of HR and then all of these people that work under those people? Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I think, um, you know, through the study process, I did learn some things that I hadn't thought about before, and obviously that perspective was, was something new to me. Um, some of the questions I thought were interesting in assigning responsibility. Sometimes it would be, um, I can't think of a, an exact question, but sometimes it would be, um, well, no, the manager would be responsible for this, and then HR would only get involved at this level. So just like I would say even back when I took the PHR, there's a lot of HR that varies from organization to organization. So um, it may not necessarily be how you would do HR tomorrow at your job, but it's generally the idea of how it should probably function. Really getting at that underlying principle that kind of governs how we make decisions, whether it's your specific practice or policy itself, you know, that granular, we can't account for all of those, but it really digs into those those core underlying things about how you make decisions or why you would make a decision this way based on improving the business or whatever else, you know, that, that universal mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. okay, very cool. Yeah, one of the, I remember when I got my SPHR a couple years ago, there were, I don't remember the year, it's been uh, maybe 15? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, I think it's 2015. That sounds um, right. <laughs> and several people, you know, when I started writing about the difference between um, the exams and everything else, there were several people that said, hey, I took it back when it was pen and paper, the SPHR. <laughs> and um, the person said, what's paper? And then I said, um, <laughs> then I said you, their, their comments were, it was purely, you know, did you memorize this fact? It was very much just regurgitating information. And I said, that's, you know, all well and good, but they have changed that definitely because the questions in the exam when I took the SPHR were very much situational. Um, there's, a, there's a question that still sticks out in my head. I don't remember this, the specific verbiage, but it was asking about how to influence your employer brand in a community where you were trying to open a new, a new office and compete with, compete with the other local businesses. And it was focused on employer branding. And I was really surprised to see a question like that on the exam because that's not something that's been around for 40 years. You know, we're not asking you about the Labor Relations Act. We're asking you about something that's still, for a lot of companies, an unknown or a cutting-edge kind of process of mm -hmm. making your business stand out. And so that's one of the things that just sticks in my head that there were a lot of situational scenarios that required you to think about the business itself and what would make that better ultimately and not just, you know, 
how many hours does this person take before they're eligible for FMLA or one of the other you know, very static questions, which going back to the PHR, that's more what that is. That's just trying to prove that you have this base level of knowledge required to operate. Right. right. I don't think you're, you're, we took the exams pretty close to each other in terms of PHR, so that shouldn't be that different. But the SPHR itself was very different in terms of the questions because it, and this will go to something I want to talk about in a minute, but you couldn't just go through and read a book and then know how to do it. And that's why mm-hmm. they have that experience requirement. You've got to understand not just you know, how to draw a line from point A to point B, but what to do when you know, something happens in the middle of that unexpectedly and you have to detour and figure out what to do next. And uh, again, some of that comes from judgment, some of that comes from experience and, and being able to make, those, make that logical transition between the data, the facts, and practical application. So Absolutely. That's a perfect segue. Let's talk about kind of prepping for the exam. Again, Ooh. one of the most common questions I get, um, group versus solo test uh, prep. You talked about uh, signing up for a local, a local group. Um, I've never used a group, but I've taught groups. So talk about your, your kind of uh, thoughts there on how it's best for someone to prep. Okay, so I think I should put this out there before I answer this. I think that everyone has to do what works for them. And so obviously not using a group works for you because you pass the PHR and the SPHR. Um, I think that when you're developing your study plan for these tests, you have to study in a way that suits you. So if you've always been a person that has to study a little bit at a time for you know, maybe several weeks, then stick with that. If you're kind of a crammer like myself, I know that sounds like it, it shouldn't work, but it works mm-hmm. for me, and so that's what I do. Um, I can remember for the PHR, a lot of my studying was definitions. But they had, back then, they had the CD that you could just pop in your car and it would read the definitions to you. And so when I, I was in staffing still, and so I would have to go from uh, customer site to customer site pretty often, was doing a lot of travel from North Alabama to Southern Tennessee. And so I had plenty of time in the car and I would listen to those definitions to the point where I wasn't even paying attention to them anymore. So, you know, to your point, that was, you know, you're memorizing and then you're regurgitating it. You're not really solving a problem on the test. Um, I think that for the the SCP, the study group was more beneficial to me than, than the PHR study group for that reason. Um, and our local chapter happens to have an awesome facilitator who has a lot of experience, um, a lot of different types of experience from, you know, union to non-union and different industries. And I think she has a scenario for almost every question we would work through as a group in the class. And for me personally, hearing other people's examples of actual on-the-job solving this particular situation helped it stick with me. I was, I was able to retain it easier than maybe reading out of a book or you know, watching a video of someone I don't know talk about it. So uh, for me, that was key probably to me passing. That I heard, uh, heard that same kind of thing. You know me, I'm a sucker for a good story, and I try to plug in examples over again. <laughs> and when I taught the class um, a couple years ago, that was one of the things the students always kept coming back and saying, you know, thank you for explaining it that way or telling me that story or 
connecting it with that current news piece that's happening because now I get it. I can yeah. have some context. It's not just this this strange abstract thing that I'm trying to wrap my mind around. I can connect that with, oh, this is what that looks like in the real world, and I understand it now. And that's the biggest problem I see with people that are pre- prepping solo That is that they memorize, they study, they, you know, hey, I looked at, you know, 3,000 test questions. I should be pretty good. But you're like, you know what? That doesn't prepare you adequately. You need to understand not just mm-hmm. the knowledge and the facts, but the practical application of this. How do you connect the dots? How do you take that thing from Chapter 2 and Chapter 7 and put that together into something that actually is going to be connected at work? Because for HR, as using HRCI as an example, it's rare that conversations about selection don't also touch on conversations about compensation and conversations around development. They're all usually kind of woven together, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can't think of them as discrete segments like, okay, I will make a decision about this and then about that because they influence each other. And so right. there's, that's a, I wrote about this, I think, last month, actually, because Again, it's a question I keep getting over and over and over again. Uh, I failed the exam. I did all these things. Why didn't I pass? And so I wrote about how the biggest problem, the number one thing that caused people to fail is that they do not get enough of that practical piece to understand it. They don't move from the very basic level of knowledge where I can read something, I get this idea, I can even repeat the idea back to you, but I haven't gotten to the level of understanding where I can then apply that that uh, formula to another problem and understand how it how it translates. And that 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 leap doesn't happen again overnight. That's the problem. You're a crammer because you have some background. You have a lot of experience touching a lot of things, so you can read something and get that. But for someone that's just coming into it, or someone that has a very narrowly focused career so far, you know, you've been a comp and bins person for, for three years and you're about to get your PHR, it's a different kind of conversation. And so you need to think about those things and try to understand them beyond just what that, that book can provide. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, I, took off, I took off on a, on a roll um, there. Well, but. It's important. It's a huge element. It's a huge element. And if you do try to study solo and you miss out on that, I think you're just not setting yourself up for success. Absolutely. So let's see. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that um, I, the reason a lot of people reach out to me is partially because I write about this a lot, partially because I've created other study tools on the topic. Um, so there's self-study courses and, uh, and other fun things there, lots of free things too compl- that cost nothing just to check it out, recommendations on study resources and, and things. Um, you can find all that at upstarthr.com if you want to check those things out. Um, because there's, again, I've been doing this, writing about this stuff for, for more than eight years now. have answered a lot of the questions that people have and have, uh, you can usually find what you need. If not, um, we're hoping this podcast will help to answer some of those other questions and things. Um, it's going to ask you another question. So <laughs> is there any, again, you recently sat, you recently passed, is there anything in terms of a lesson learned or anything else that you really oh. from that? I know you've already talked through some things. You, you kind of picked up from it. But uh, I don't know if there's a, like a, something that you walked away with like either about the process 
about the, the test or about yourself even that was kind of a <laughs> aha moment? Well, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I learned the hard way is uh, don't tell anyone you're sitting for the exam. <laughs> that sounds really ridiculous, but I slipped up and told our entire chapter that I was going to sit for the SHRM SCP. And then I had this overwhelming feeling that I was going to fail and that I was going to have to get up in front of our chapter because I'm in a role where I'm in front of our chapter often and tell them, oh, yeah, I went to take it and I failed. <laughs> or lie to them and tell them I didn't take it, I never scheduled it. And I thought, how would that encourage anybody else to go and get certified if I'm like, hey, I'm taking this test. Well, I failed it. Uh, and that was that bothered me. That really stressed me out more than, you know, studying or retaining any of the information. I just thought, there's a chance you could fail this test, and you have to tell them you failed it. So I would say don't tell anyone outside of, like, if you do a study group, don't tell anyone outside of that. You don't even have to tell them you're taking it because you can very well go through the study group and then decide that you need more time to study and schedule your test for a different window instead of, you know, the fall or spring window right there. Um, that was huge for me. Uh, looking back, I would tell myself, don't panic. You do this work every day. Use your resources. You've got this. And if you do fail, you've got to identify why you failed and you've got to fill the gap and try again. Yeah. The, the thing I always come back to, because the failure is, is a real part of it, I don't know the, the pass rates on the Sherman exams, but the um, HRCI exam, the pass rate is you know, 45 to 55%. So about half of the people that try to you know, sit every single window fail, about half. That's a big chunk of people. And I get, I get those questions pretty often, uh, pretty often from people saying, hey, I didn't get it. This might be my first, second uh, I haven't had third time that I failed, and I don't know what to do. And the first thing I always tell them is, this is not a measure of your worth. This doesn't change, you know, the value that you have between yesterday and today just because you didn't pass this exam. So you know, let's go back to it. Let's figure out what your gaps were, like you were talking about. Let's figure out what things that you might not have done as well on. Did you? How did you study? And so we start digging into that to, to try to help them understand what could lead to success next time but the first thing it's so easy to say i missed it you know let's let's write this off this is not a good mm -hmm. process or this isn't valuable for me or this isn't a good fit or whatever the excuse might be but like don't let don't let this define where you're where you go from here because there are a lot of people that have taken that thing that are super sharp hr pros that know their stuff that perform well that don't pass it, it just happens. You know, yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that knowing that number was overwhelming for me because that was the number I knew as well. Um, I do know the term SCP pass rate has hovered between like 56 and 58% okay. since it was rolled out, um, which is still not super high when you look at uh, the SHRM SCP or the PHR when it's got something maybe in the 70s or, or above. But uh, that is an excellent point that, your value hasn't changed because you, you did or didn't pass this test and not letting that defeat you or deter you from trying again because I think it is important to try again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. 
is there we've, we've we've covered a lot of stuff is there anything else that you want to share anything else you want to touch on a last minute hurrah from Christina before we finish up <laughs> well no last minute hurrahs but um, I will say you know any of you that are listening if you're going to be at Sherm 17 even though Ben's not going to be there I'll be there and I would love to connect with you and we can continue the conversation in person or, you know, email Ben, and if he thinks it's a question I can answer, I'm sure he'll pass it along to me. <laughs> no doubt. have no doubt. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Christina, for taking the time to, to chat with me, to share with the audience today. Um, a lot of great insights and some just good practical experience from someone that's recently passed an exam. Everybody else, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with your colleagues, your peers that might be thinking about certification. I know that's you know a lot of people are are kind of curious about it, looking for resources. Um, feel free to share this with them because this might answer some of their questions or give them some things to think about that they might not have considered that can make the difference for them. So be that hero for them. This has been Eubanks, host of We're Only Human. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human with Ben Eubanks on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. To learn more and to listen to the show archives for We're Only Human and all the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network shows, go to www.h3hr.com. And remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Network podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast player app.